Welcome back to Don't Be Strangers, a social experiment and community of wholesome conversations that focuses on deepening connections through stories of everyday people. I'm your host, Shinyi, and I typically meet my co-hosts for the very first time while recording. If this sounds fun to you, please consider applying to co-host a future episode. Ways you can plug into this community this month is attending our open journaling session. Come gain some clarity with us by answering the three most important questions. I'm asking everyone on the Don't Be Strangers team to do this together, so it'd be really fun to have you along. That's happening on Saturday, September 17th. Please check the link in the description to register. We also have our monthly conversational game night on Sunday, September 25th, online and on Discord. Dallas friends, if you're available Wednesday, October 5th, I'll be trying the conversational game night in person at Union Coffee Shop in Oakland, so it'd be great to meet you. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend Marika from the Netherlands. I met her during my first adventure in Oaxaca, Mexico with this digital nomad group called Wi-Fi Tribe. If you've listened to some of the older episodes, you may have heard me speak about this particular adventure as well as co-host with a few other Wi-Fi Tribers from that particular stay. But I especially adore Marika because she's so freaking cool. She's one of those people who makes you feel elated to grow older, which I think is a very special and rare kind of soul. Get ready to feel inspired for life as we chat about our newest friends and how we met them, Marika's life-changing sabbaticals, how she's turned her job as an interior designer into one where she can work from anywhere, rituals we practice, and salsa culture. With that, please meet Marika. Hi, I'm Marike. I am from uh, the Netherlands. I live in Rotterdam and uh, I'm an interior designer, but in the past I was also uh, a management consultant and a pricing manager. And now I also help people to make a career switch in an easy way. I also lived in Amsterdam and Chile and I really, really love to dance, especially salsa. So Latin America is really my favorite part of the world. And that's where I met you, of course. And uh, for all listeners, as you can hear, my mother tongue is not English. So you might learn some Dunglish today, which is absolutely useless since it's not even a language. <laughs> so I hope it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel I was very surprised that you you said that you were nervous about doing this because English isn't your mother tongue because I thought well you you speak pretty fluently so I don't see why you should be <laughs> concerned at all and I think you speak clearly as well so I think it'll be great <laughs> okay okay you know, I'll survive <laughs> I, you mentioned something in your intro that kind of surprised me um, because we met in Oaxaca through Wi-Fi tribe last October and during that time um, it sounded like you were working on several things for your personal like business regarding interior design but then I didn't know this, so I don't know if this is a new development. You help people make career switches. Is that like a different service that you offer? Oh, yeah, no, that's a good question, yeah. Actually, I was doing that in a more informal way for for almost two years already because I, I got so many reactions to my career switches and really people I didn't see for a long time and even uh, people I never even met, they just called me or texted me and, uh, and asked me, oh, what did you do? I also want to do a career switch. Can you tell me how you did it? So actually I was already doing that, but it was never uh, an official service. But since this year I've been being, uh, I'm more active about it. And last January I gave a, a little workshop 
in Argentina to other people in Wi-Fi tribe. So now it's more in a structural way. Because, of course, this podcast and the community is partly about friendship. And I know that, you know, when you're in school or uh, then it's really easy to make friends because it's just the boy or girl sitting next to you. And that's how <laughs> that's how it grows. But uh, as an adult, it's different. So uh, I wanted to ask you, who's the most recent new friend you made and how did you meet? Yeah, I think the point that you made about being in school and how easy it is to make friends in school because of the repetition, because of the environment, because of the shared experience that you have suffering through school makes it easy to bond. <laughs> And also because you typically carry like an entire school year in the same yeah. classroom setting. So so like eventually you'll talk to someone. It's like impossible, I would think, to go an yeah, entire yeah. school year without like connecting with someone to some extent. But in adulthood, yes, I totally completely agree. And to be honest, I was actually terrified of making friends as an adult. I clearly remember when we graduated college and I had some friends move out of Dallas, like growing up in Dallas and then moving out of Dallas for work, going to New York City or another city in Texas called Austin, Texas. I asked these friends, are you concerned at all about making friends like a new environment as an adult? And I remember my friends just like casually responding, nope. And I was just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, I guess oh. I'm the only person worried about this. And I wasn't sure. I think it's really interesting because one of those friends I touched base again with later, the friend in Austin, and she told me that over time she realized how difficult it is to make friends as an adult when she previously thought it would be easy. Um, I guess maybe just oh. again from the experience we had in school where it's just like, you're going to connect with someone, you know. And obviously, I was terrified, which is why I was asking these questions. Like, I think I just wanted confirmation that other people were worried too. But my friends were very confident. They were not yeah. even a little bit nervous? No, because I think to dig into the question a bit deeper too, like, I think I was more concerned about making friends outside of work. Because again, like school, I feel like in a work setting, like you're going to connect with people that you're working with to some extent but for me I kind of like a separation between my work and my personal life like I don't want to bring my coworkers <laughs> into my personal life just because I feel like that would run the risk of having my work life lead into my personal life as well so I think my concern really stemmed from this idea that I was like oh what if I won't be able to find friends outside of work but to answer the question itself in terms of who is the new newest friend I've made and how did I meet them as we were chatting I am currently in Colombia in Medellin for a total of five weeks I got here I think I'm like right now smack dab in the middle of my stay here so I've been here for about two and a half weeks I have about two and a half weeks left and interestingly enough, I found it relatively easy to find friends in Medellin versus in Lima, Peru. I wasn't really able to make any connections over the span of six months. I took a ceramics class there and I was able to make a slight connection with my teacher. Like she was really fun, but she was always really busy. So there wasn't really an opportunity oh, yeah. to connect outside of like the workshop and then the classmates that I had it was like a relatively small workshop and so there were only like three or four other girls in this small little room and yeah like I think the nature of ceramics 
is almost meditative to the extent that like it doesn't really provide an environment for conversation. Like yes, you can have conversation, but I feel like people are there to yeah. like focus on the clay. And so I I don't think I like realize this when I sign up for it because I typically try to sign up for a class of some sort wherever I'm traveling. So one to invest my money into someone local to and then learn a skill and then practice Spanish while I'm there in a real context. Yeah, since we last met cuz like when we met in Oaxaca my I feel like my Spanish level was still pretty basic cuz I hadn't been speaking for about a year previous to that trip and so I was taking Spanish specific classes there. So I signed up for a language school and I was taking Spanish classes but now Since about the beginning of this year, I've kind of switched my tactic and instead of taking more language classes, I'm taking like real world context classes. So in Mexico City, um, which I did at the beginning of this year, I took like a painting class and I met a few girlfriends through it. In Cusco, I did a, a Wi-Fi tribe chapter in Cusco as well. And there yeah. I took this theater therapy class and that was like really fun and like really pushed my limits because it was a oh, lot of like is it like improv. Yeah, exactly. It was a lot of improv. Oh wow, like, but in Spanish. Yes, 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 yes. So I was Whoa. like the only oh that's yeah. <laughs> No, but that's um, yeah. a re- that's a really nice challenge. Yeah. And then here in Medellin, I'm taking some barista classes. I've always wanted to try to learn like latte art and stuff. Like it's so fun. Yeah, I'm getting a bit sidetracked. The the friend though. Yeah, so the so friend, what's what's different in Medellin that it's easier here to make friends as an adult? You know, I don't I think what helped was that in my work um, in the US, I had one coworker from Colombia. And it, although he wasn't from Medellin, he had two friends in Medellin. So he put me in contact with the two friends. So immediately like coming into the city, I had two native friends who could, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, like help out in terms of being like local guides. And then everyone in Medellin recommends for you to do like a small day trip out to this place called Watape. And it's just like gorgeous landscape. There's like this huge rock that you would climb these lap, these staircases to get to the top and then take have this like gorgeous panoramic view from the top. One of my local friends through like that was a mutual with my ex-coworker had yeah. recommended this particular tour group. And so I thought, great, I want a local specific tour group versus like a foreigner targeted tour group. Um, because my strategy was that I was I was hoping that I would find and meet like locals through this tour group. Yeah. Yeah. And what ended up happening was that it actually was a lot of locals, but like Colombians from other cities, which makes sense, who are like traveling to Medellin to also do their own tourism. But oh, yeah. there was one girl. There was one girl who was there, who is, apparently is a Spanish teacher traveling in that tour group with her student visiting. So I guess like the teacher, they're basically, they're just friends now. She is local to Medellin, um, basically playing a local guide to her like ex-student. We had the opportunity because like the tour group situation was like a full day. We ended up randomly sitting at the same table for breakfast. And so like we started talking to everyone 
at this table. And at our table, it was like my husband, me from the US, there was a guy from Spain who was traveling with a girl from Uruguay. And then there was like the Medellin girl, plus the girl visiting from Cartagena slash London. And so we all kind of like exchanged conversations. And that was really cool. And by the end of the day, we had all exchanged WhatsApps. But I was specifically interested in the girl from Medellin because of of everyone at the table like she was the only one I would be able to continue hanging out with because like the girl from Cartagena was gonna like go back and the guy from Spain and the girl from Uruguay were leaving the city like that same night we did the tour so it was just really interesting but she was the but yeah so this is all to say that this was how I met her during this like day trip and then we added each other on Instagram and then we kind of like loosely started talking like last week and then last weekend, um, we went and visited the botanical gardens together, which apparently she had never visited either. And it was just really cool speaking with her because there was, in so many ways, we connected in being third third culture because she was telling me about how her family's from Colombia, but before she was born, her parents moved to Venezuela due to the timing of when each of these countries were rising and falling. So at that time, the country of Colombia was kind of like falling apart politically, financially, economically. And so her family fled to Venezuela. And then she grew up in Venezuela for 19 years. And then and then the opposite happened where like Venezuela was having like a, an era of degradation I guess you could say and so yeah yeah so then they migrated back and then she has been in Medellin for like six years and so it was really interesting talking with her because I feel like there were overlaps in our experience of me being Asian American so feeling third culture in a way of like not really belonging in America and not really belonging in like Malaysia where I was born and her kind of under of that as well like not feeling like she really belonged in either country because of like the way that she was raised and like the way that her family moved so yeah that was how I met her and then I only have two weekends left here before I go back but I am intentionally trying to hang out with her these two weekends before I leave so I can like develop this connection because it's really interesting to me and I felt like we really clicked on a number of points including an interest in thrifting and like secondhand items that's something else that we and then also travel language learning because she learned English of her own account that's my newest friend and that's how I found her Um, so I'm glad that like my strategy to try to travel with the local tour group worked to like find at least one person yeah yeah it sounds really exciting so maybe it's also a combination of you uh, at least grabbing every opportunity you see in in the the place you're in Because, I mean, I think you're very proactive about it, but also finding someone that you have some things in common with, that's that's always really nice. And I also feel like maybe Colombia is also a good place because I found that a lot of people really love to chat and they're a bit more informal and they love to chat to everyone. So then they're maybe a little bit more open to meeting new people. And that's not not the case in every country, of course. So sounds good. Yeah, I completely agree. Speaking of traveling and such, uh, you've traveled quite a bit yourself, granted that we met in Wi-Fi Tribe. Um, and yeah. some of your travels were aligned with your sabbaticals. And I remember like when we were chatting in Oaxaca, 
that um, these sabbaticals were like the best decisions of your life. You've made some of your best decisions during your sabbaticals. So I, I would love for you to share with the listeners, how did you decide when to take your sabbaticals, how long to take these sabbaticals for, and what came out of each of these? Yeah. Yeah. So I took three, well, I'm 37 and I, <laughs> I had three sabbaticals. I think that the most important was, one was the first one because that one triggered all the others. There was I was 28 years old. It was in 2013. And that was really, I think it was the most life-changing. Uh, just to give you some context, I was working as a management consultant for a couple of years. Uh, and I really felt like I had to quit my job. I really wasn't challenged anymore. And that, to me, is really an energy drainer. So that was a sign that I had to leave. And I started applying for jobs, but I wasn't really getting excited about them. And, and I did feel like that, that could be the perfect opportunity to take a couple of months off because that would be really hard to do once you're in a new job, of course. I mean, in the Netherlands, we have quite some <laughs> days off, but not. <laughs> I, I always wanted a bit more. <laughs> so I, just, I, I saved up some money and I decided to go with my gut feeling and went on a, on a trip to Andalusia. And what I learned was one thing that was really valuable to me is I learned what gives me energy. And that is, what do I need to do to recharge? And that's super simple to me. That's reading a book in the sun and going on walks. It's, it sounds super simple. and But to me, I'm, I'm still, it's still very useful for me to know that if I, uh, if I need to recharge or, or, I feel like I'm overwhelmed or this always helps me to think very clear afterwards. And I also realized that there I was thinking about, oh, what kind of job should I do next? I realized, wait a minute, there is really no single job that can keep me happy for 40 hours a week. It just doesn't exist and it definitely doesn't exist for the rest of my life. So I need to change my strategy. I need to do something analytical and something creative and I need to do so that's where I decided to to still work for a corporate company but also start a, a training course as an interior designer so basically in the evenings and on the weekends I was an interior designer and uh, throughout the week I, uh, I was working uh, uh, at a Dutch insurance company and I think that's what I also decided I was like, oh my God, this was amazing because it gave me so many insights and I'm totally recharged. And I decided I wanted to do a sabbatical every four years and I kept my promise to myself. And the second one, I went to Cuba for six weeks and I had another six weeks off in the Netherlands. But this was Cuba, it was really the most fascinating place I've ever gotten to know. It's It was really the only trip where I had a culture shock on the way there and also on the way back. Because when I came there, I was like, oh my God, this is a crazy country. But when I came back to the Netherlands, I was in shock for a week thinking, oh my God, this is a crazy country. I, I learned that if you ever think something is normal, you're wrong. Because now it was really, really fascinating. And the third one, I went to Costa Rica and Argentina and Colombia. And there I, I learned that I had another really valuable insight. I mean, in, in, in Costa Rica, I was doing a surf and yoga retreat, which means that 
you wake up early in the morning, you have yoga class, then you go surfing and then you drink from a fresh coconut and then you t- take a siesta. And that was really the, my body had never been so relaxed in my life. There was, it was again, super simple, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and that was right, like one, I came back like one week before uh, a lockdown started. So that was my last one. And I will, uh, I hope to do another one uh, in a couple of years. But now, of course, I decide, I discovered the life of uh, at least a part-time digital nomad. So that also works very well for me. So each time that you do this, it's, it's about six weeks. Now, the first one was six months. And the second one was three months. And the third one was also three months. Crazy and I had to be really creative in how to do this. You know, it's a, it sounds maybe... I really think if you really want something, you will find a way to get it done. So I would do like anything like buying extra days off or going on unpaid leave or quitting my job. And yeah, I did all kinds of things to make sure I could take this time off yeah I think that's incredible because I feel like it's so easy for people to say that like they could never do something like that and yet like you were intentional about it and you knew what you wanted and you like made it happen so I think that's really really inspiring you mentioned that you've been able to go partially digital nomad so I would love to ask like how have you been able to make your job one that is like relatively on the ground being an interior designer yeah so actually this was again when i thought that oh it could be really cool to work and travel at the same time a lot of people told me yeah but you're an interior designer you cannot do this but i think the same thing happened when i was going on a sabbatical people told me no but you cannot just take so many months off and then i tried it and then it worked and now i'm like well if a lot of people say no then uh, yeah, I will get it done anyway. But uh, <laughs> working remotely as an interior designer, I didn't know if it would work, but I was just like, I'll just try it. Um, so just to explain a little bit, because most people don't know what interior design, I mean, what your week looks like. But, you know, every interior designer works in a different way. So some really love styling. So that means decorating the room and and giving it the finishing touch after all the construction work has been done. Or maybe, for example, go mainly on shopping trips with the clients. But I really love uh, mainly the design work and solving the puzzle of of all the different requirements that the client is giving me uh, and then finding the perfect layout and then drawing everything in 3D. So because I already preferred that part of the work, I can do most of that on my laptop instead of on the ground. And second, I have like this 3D software in my head. (laughs) So I just need a floor plan. And uh, you know what is north, east, south and west? And then I already know, I can can feel the space. So I already know like, oh, this is going to be everyone's favorite spot, just dependent on the where the sun is and and how the windows are. And so I already know that without even visiting the sites. So, and I know that because I was a project manager before, I also already really love to solve puzzles and, but also work really efficiently. So I think this all helps to do most of my work remotely. 
But there are still times in your project where you would still need to physically visit the space, right? At least like at the beginning、yeah. of the project or at the end of the project, at, at least I would imagine. Well, it actually only for like doing measurements of the space or putting all the samples and the materials and colors together. But I can do that right after and right before I go on a trip. Yeah. So I already have a new tradition on the Amsterdam airport. I always go to the mailbox and and like <laughs> mail the last. Samples and and wallpapers to my clients and before I take off and then when I land again in Amsterdam then I just go right to the to see the first client but I think I can do like at least eighty or ninety percent remotely. Wow, yeah. And how long do your projects typically run? I imagine that there are different timelines,、um, but yeah, your standard project like is there a like it's like about a month or it's like about. Two weeks or yeah, five yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah. I I just optimize the whole process so I can tell everyone exactly like on this date you will receive my complete、uh, design. Oh wow, that's amazing, and I, that's like perfect too because like Wi-Fi Tribe chapters are typically a month. So oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many chapters have you done?、Um, and do you have any others planned? I did two. So the one in Oaxaca was the first one. And then my second one was in Buenos Aires in January,、uh, and I also went on another trip, but that was not with Wi-Fi Tribe to Portugal in July. Yeah. And now I'm looking at、uh, yeah how to、uh, spend the winter in some kind of warm, sunny country. So I'm looking at what new chapters are coming up. Another question for you: I would also like to talk about food because.、Uh, I remember in the kitchen in Oaxaca, we had such a lovely outdoor kitchen, and there was, you know, every we were there with a group of twenty people, but there were every morning there were the same three or four people in the kitchen. And but I think you were really the most stable one because you were always cooking a super healthy, complete meal every morning, and it really. Then I re- realized, like, oh, this is really. This is not because you want to. I don't know. You want to eat yogurt, but you're really eating things that are really good fuel for your body and mind. And my background with food is、uh, well. I also love to eat healthy, but I grew up in a region close to Belgium. That is, it's a bit weird. People love food, but mainly like big quantities of food. The region is really known for its gourmet lifestyle. And just to give you an example, I organized a family reunion for a hundred people. And nobody had any dietary restrictions. There were not even people who were vegetarian. Nothing. Everybody <laughs> ate everything. That was a bit shocking to me. So that's almost like the opposite of seeing food as fuel. I was curious, like, what is the role of food in your life? Yeah, I definitely think that as I've transitioned to a focus on health, and I would say that this started in adulthood when I realized I had more control over, you know, my schedule and like what I did.、Um, Moving out of my parents' place and you know having to now take care of myself, that the role that health plays in having a fulfilling lifestyle is that if you don't have health, then you can't really do anything else. And so,、yeah. for this reason, I really put an emphasis on three things that I call my like health gauges. Which is how well I'm resting. So that would be sleep, meditation, naps, like anything that's just like recovery based. 
then like my activities to balance that and then how I fuel myself, which is like the food portion. And so I really do view food very, I guess, objectively. <laughs> of course, I like enjoy food as well, but I feel like I enjoy it more sparingly than like the average person. Like I prefer to cook all my meals in the realm of like optimizing my life. I don't want to spend too much like mental or physical energy having to like get creative with how I eat. So like like the grocery store run is always about the same. Yeah. And I eat about the same like every single day. And then eating out for me is like maybe I'll eat out once or twice a week and that's going to be like a ceremony. This is a time to be present to enjoy like the fact that I have the capacity to pay someone else to cook for me versus like me doing all of this like batch cooking. Beautiful. But what about you, your relationship with food? Because you've kind of given the background and you've said that you like eating healthy. What is your distribution of you cooking, you eating out versus... Yeah, healthy, unhealthy. Yeah, that's a good question. I think when I was still working in Amsterdam, then I would really, I I ate out a lot of times, but several nights a week. I never do any takeout because I, I don't really like that. But now, actually, it changed. I just realized it now. It changed when I became an entrepreneur. Because then I realized, wait a minute, my whole company is uh, relies on me if I'm healthy, then it will go well. If I have the right mindset, then it will go well. If I have the wrong mindset, then it will go bad. If I eat, uh, if I eat pizza, then the next day I can focus less. If I eat uh, fish, which is really good for your brain, then I will probably be able to focus a bit more. I always saw the relationship with health, of course, but. Then, I, then it somehow it became even more interesting and more valuable. So what I do now is I use HelloFresh. They just uh, bring uh, groceries that are exactly enough for a specific amount of meals. And I really love it because I eat different vegetables every day. Yeah, so I also see that a little bit as an investment in myself, but I still really love to go out for dinner, yeah, so. Okay, first of all, I didn't realize that HelloFresh was a Dutch company, <laughs> so that's really cool. Yeah, no, I and just I found know. out in Wi-Fi Tribe, I found out that people from abroad know it, and I, I was like, oh, do you know it? I didn't even know it was that international. <laughs> I remember learning about it five years ago in the US. Actually, oh, really? Never... Oh, really? <laughs> totally not up to date but i've always had curiosity for like these sort of like meal prep services i think it's i think it's really cool i just haven't been stable enough anywhere to try it so yeah oh yeah 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 you can try maybe you can try one box for that that you can use for a week i i really love it but some people call it hello stress because it says on the package like oh it, this meal takes 25 minutes to prepare but then it takes me 50 minutes but at least i'm <laughs> i i'm learning a bit more about cooking so yeah that's hilarious wait so since we're already kind of along this line of thought your like weekly schedules a slash ritual for eating do you practice any other rituals either daily weekly or monthly I don't know maybe quarterly actually I started a lot of rituals new rituals in the pandemic so what I do now is I walk for at least an hour a day uh, it could be one hour uh, like 
in the evening or three times 20 minutes. It really is really good for, I always thought that walking was for 70 year old people, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I really love it. And um, I listen to podcasts and music while I walk. Uh, I dance every day, but I go to salsa class uh, once a week. And I really love that. Yeah, it's really good to get out of your head and more into your body. It's really perfect for that. These are the most important ones. And I try to read every day because that's also really good for uh, like a, some kind of exciting novel. It's usually about a, a strong woman that is ahead of her time. And that's also really relaxing. What is your, your favorite ritual? I would say that my favorite ritual i have like a daily ritual in the mornings yeah me rolling out bed punching out my workout i like doing it first thing in the morning uh, because in the past when i had it like later in the day i realized that i really need to let food digest like completely before i can do anything intense um and therefore i had like a somewhat strange schedule to make sure that I could like exercise and like have enough window that's just all to say that like I prefer working out first thing in the morning because I know I've like completely digested <laughs> from the previous day and then after that I like recording highlights of the previous day and then also recording my mood and the reason why I do this daily recording like a, a journaling um is because at the end of each month and so this is like a monthly ritual at the end of each month i review my month i review my monthly goals and then i set new goals for the next month so to support the monthly ritual i have this daily ritual of like writing down what i did each day or like at least the highlights of each day my mood then after that i'll kind of like plan out the the day and then um get on with it so I would say that since we knew each other in Oaxaca, I guess a little less than a year ago, my routine does change depending on where I am because I am a bit nomadic. I do love the opportunity of like moving into a new place as like a way to kind of reset and try new things in my routine. But more or less, I really oh, like yeah. Working, yeah, I really love working out first thing. I really like having my plan as of like maybe four or five months ago, I've finally been able to establish a meditation practice. And so I've been doing um, daily meditations in the morning right after I plan out my day. And that's really, really nice. I think the most recent development as of like me arriving in Medellin, I've been trying to work less. <laughs> um, this is like a whole life like work in progress because I've been for many years yeah. trying to separate the idea of value and productivity like my value in life and productivity and even though i consciously understood that like you don't need to necessarily be productive to be a value and i purport this i say this to my friends but then subconsciously i couldn't i could never separate like i couldn't allow myself to not be productive and so that caused a lot of stress wow. because when I had time to relax, like I just couldn't. And which is why like probably people saw me as like so productive and like always on all the time. And it was because like, I just could not let myself turn off. So it's been a work in progress. Like throughout this entire year, there's been things that like I've done. So like back in the spring, I did a hypnotherapy session with one of my friends, hypnotherapist. And I think that was like the first key step to like me separating the idea of like productivity and my value and it was actually because of that hypnotherapy session that I was start I started being able to meditate which I've never been able to do my my entire life because like I just couldn't let myself 
stop for like five minutes because I was like unproductive. So is meditating not productive to you? It is. I do see it as productive. I see rest as productive as well. But like, I think the issue that I was facing for the longest time was subconsciously allowing myself to rest. And so like, what I see in meditation as is like productive rest. I consciously could say like, yes, you as my friend, you need rest. And I can say to myself, yes, Shinyi, you need rest. Like resting is productive because it will increase your creativity. It will increase your productivity when you are on. And yet like subconsciously, I, I couldn't attach the idea of like yeah. rest and productivity. So the latest, I guess, like routine that I've developed within my time here in Colombia is that I've decided that I would, I think I talked about this in Oaxaca, that I, I try intentionally to work only two hours a day of my like day job and so nowadays I try to actually contain both like my corporate job and my like passion project this don't be strangers in the same nine to five so that like once I'm outside of this nine to five like I'm not allowed to work like not even on my passion project by doing that I'm kind of forced to like get creative like you know when you're a child and you have no mode of transportation and you're just like stuck in your room and before you had the internet like what do you do like you read you draw you write like like how do you entertain yourself yeah I think it's really fascinating because you can be also like in in the Netherlands there's this really Calvinistic culture of you can rest and relax but only after you did some something useful or and it's like programmed into your brain it's like your brain was it's really hard to but once you meet people from i don't know spain or italy in italy they say dolce far niente doing nothing is actually really 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 good then you're already being useful i wish i was born (laughs) with that (laughs) concept will make it far easier i think to really rest it's so interesting interesting the way that our culture and our society and like even like location of where you are in the globe and like the context for that culture there and the way it impacts your perception regarding rest this is kind of jumping topics but what's next for you in life and what are you looking forward to oh yeah actually i always had some specific goal in life But now I'm like, I'm really loving the freedom. And I'm mainly excited that I don't have anything specific to look forward to because I feel like anything could happen. I don't know if, I think you know this already a little bit, but also for other listeners, there's so many things that changed in my life in the last couple of years because a couple of years ago I was... uh, uh, working for an, for an insurance company as a project manager. Uh, I didn't have my own company. I was uh, living together with my then boyfriend in the home that we bought. I was always buying additional days off to travel. Uh, and now really like every pillar of my life changed. I'm, I'm single. I started my own company. I have my own apartment. I painted all the walls pink. <laughs> I became an interior designer. I became a part-time digital nomad. And I'm not like, I'm not saying like one lifestyle is better than the other because I really loved and love both, both lifestyles that I'm describing now. Yeah, I also love to think about how you can design your, your life. So I feel like, yeah, 
there's uh, a, a lot more doors can open for me and I'm, it could be anything. So I'm just excited. That's amazing. And that's what I've always loved and like admired about you. Just like upon first impression and like meeting you, I was just like, she has great energy for life. And like, I'm very attracted to people who have great energy for life because it makes life feel so exciting because it's like, well, I see life as full of opportunities and very exciting. And then when you meet and get to like, hang out with other people who feel this way about life too it's just like a positive feedback loop like i feel even more oh yeah thank you yes some people accuse me of of having uh rose tinted glasses but i really feel like if you just try it then there's so many things yeah you could do and also things that maybe you didn't think were possible just try it yeah exactly okay i must now ask you the question i ask everyone which is how do you define a stranger and at what point do they transition from being one to not being one i define a stranger as someone that you can't describe yet so for example if you if you meet someone or even see someone in a distance for example a girl working in a a bookstore and you visit the bookstore then she is the girl from the bookstore and then i already feel i mean if you chatted a little bit or or not even then you already know them a little bit because of course there's always non-verbal communication and you can maybe already feel each other's energy so then i could tell someone else oh do you know the girl from the bookstore and then give them some description. Yeah, so I think unless you go to a city that you've never been, but there's actually a lot of people who are not strangers. Yeah, no, I've never heard of it described that way, which is very interesting because I feel like it makes it, it simplifies it so much that you're, your perception of this if you can describe someone that's it because i remember in like the first ever episode i had with my husband and we were discussing this topic um we were talking about like nonverbal communication as well and we were also talking about like celebrities and influencers and whether you can consider those people strangers or not strangers but but in your definition it's like very clear it's like they would not be strangers because you can describe them you could be like oh yeah that's like the youtuber who does home crafts or you know something like that yeah yeah even if they don't know me i could for example if i saw someone on instagram or or in a coffee place in in rotterdam and i know that they're really good at i don't know some kind of arts and crafts i could refer you to them and they don't know me but they're not a stranger to me because i know something about them maybe this (laughs) sounds a bit creepy but i mean it in a positive way (laughs) no i think it's very positive because it does make the world feel so much like safer and like more connected because it's like instead of the the first assumption of meeting someone to be one of disconnect it almost seems as if like through your description that like it's just a description that's all you need to identify someone as not a stranger then it makes the world feel so much safer and i feel like it would also empower a lot of people to feel more comfortable too in like making connections because it's like oh yeah it's the girl at the bookstore so it feels they're more approachable you know to to think of them as not yeah Yeah, so i really think that even if there was no verbal communication you can recognize each other and that really lowers the barrier to 
start talking, right? Yeah. What do you think about internet connections if there's no recognition of like a, a face or something? So like, I guess for context, this could be like websites where it's just like forums and it's just text and there's no way to like, you know, associate like a face to a name per se. But what what can you say in terms of like strangers and like websites where it's just like all text? Oh, I've never... Yeah, I've never been on a website like that. <laughs> Maybe because I don't use forums and I don't play uh, video games and I, I don't know where. <laughs> no, I never. No, I always see a face. Yeah. I try yeah. to think of an example, but yeah, but then it will definitely feel uh, way more uh, anonymous, way more far right. away. I will be definitely be less inclined to start talking. Yeah, and I wonder if that's like partially the reason why people feel safer online to be a bit meaner, I guess, because there is that like this oh, association yeah. where you can be like more anonymous as well to to be like to pretend to be anyone to like say anything that you want. Yeah, actually, yeah. there was just a, a big scandal in the Netherlands where a politician was well, of yeah, of, of course this happens everywhere, but politician got threatened by life on by anonymous people online but they managed to find these people and they brought them to court and they interviewed them and. They ask him, why did you do it? Did you have, uh, they seem to give honest answers by saying, yeah, I I was having a really bad day and I really had no idea that it's, I mean, you don't even know me. And I really didn't have the feeling that uh, I could have such a big impact on your life. I was just being super grumpy and I was fed up with it, but I really didn't think you would take it seriously. I didn't, and, and they didn't think about it, of course. So I thought that was quite interesting because there was, yeah, the only time you hear about what goes on in the minds of people who are really being super crazy online in an anonymous way. They obviously didn't feel any connection. Otherwise, they would have felt some kind of empathy for the people that they were attacking. And I think it's also really interesting that you mentioned in there that um, in their interviews that they mentioned that they were feeling grumpy as well and that therefore and just having like a bad day and therefore part of the reason yeah maybe a more extreme version of grumpy (laughs) but yeah yeah i mean of course it was yeah they knew they 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 knew they were not being objective of course yeah uh it was not an excuse but you can understand it's like one percent more yeah yeah to bring this on a lighter note because i want to end oh yeah (laughs) maybe that's a good idea (laughs) i actually wanted to ask you the same question you asked me which is who is your newest friend and how did you meet them i started renting a, a a flexible like a work spot a workspace and that's actually a community that reminds me of Wi-Fi Tribe, but it's really local. It's in Rotterdam. So I'm renting a desk in an office with 40 women, all entrepreneurs in Rotterdam. And it's really nice. They organize a lot of events. So for example, tomorrow we're going on a boat trip. Yeah, and I feel like we have so many things in common. We're all entrepreneurs And I think everyone is pretty ambitious. We have uh, some really good discussions in the office and outside the office. So that's like uh, also a good place, I think, as an adult to meet new people. You already know, like in this office, we're going to have a lot of things in common. The same thing happens in salsa class. I think salsa is also, it's not just the class, but it's also the salsa culture where I think it's completely different than for example, tango or, or other 
in salsa is like everyone can be on the dance floor. Everyone is welcome. Everyone feels so excited to dance again all the time. So it's a super positive vibe. So I feel like also in salsa class that I started also in spring, I just met so many people who feel the same way about something that we're all passionate about. I think that creates a connection instantly. Yeah. How did you find the the community of women entrepreneurs and their co-working space that, yeah, that you found? Oh, actually, I found them through a podcast. Oh, really? Because the, <laughs> yeah, it's a coincidence. Yeah. The founder was on a podcast and I never, they're just here in Rotterdam. So I should have known them, but, uh, I heard a, an interview with the founder on, uh, on a podcast and then I just looked them up on Instagram and then I compared them with other workspaces in Rotterdam because there's a lot. I think if you're <laughs> curious and just take the step to check some things out and l- like you, know, you do, you take a lot of initiative, right? Uh, finding a course and thinking about what should be what would be nice and what would be useful and if you're a bit proactive about it then you can discover a lot of amazing things right exactly and i think there's something very key in this conversation that you've shared with us too the the repeating theme i think is just not having any fear of like trying things out even when like the opposition of like your friends and your loved ones it's like you don't really know and it could turn out for the best so yeah i guess yeah, yeah. living your best life is just trying things with optimism and then seeing where it takes you definitely totally awesome. agree i'm gonna put it on a sign i'm gonna hang it in my apartment i mean i don't really think marika of all people would need to have that reminder given the direction of her life but wow what a girl boss i'm so attracted to people who go against the grain because i have such a rebel alien spirit inside me so seeing others being rebellious makes me feel understood and also lights a fire on my soul may i grow up young like marika if you want to chat with marika you can find her on instagram at studio musters and as you've heard yourself she's super friendly and approachable so please say hi and if you have any opinions on any of the topics we've touched on i'd love to hear from you at don't be strangers on instagram it's also the page where you can register for our upcoming journaling and goal setting events conversation game nights sign up to be at pen pals and join our discord sending you so much love and as always don't be a stranger